Good evening. Um, Merry Christmas. So Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And we've all heard that over the years, and some of us have even said it ourselves. But do we ever ask why is Jesus really the reason for the season? I know nobody here, but people out there, they take this saying for granted. It's cute. It's fun. We say it this time of year. But do we really know what we're celebrating when we're celebrating Christmas? Some look at Christmas as a time to celebrate each other. We give gifts, we get gifts, we spend time together. You know, I do it too, I love it. I just came from my family's house. But do you know why we give gifts? We give gifts because we're celebrating a life. A life who in turn has given us eternal life. A life who belongs to Jesus. Now, there was a great expectation for Jesus. People waited for him for about a thousand years, more or less. But they didn't really know him by name. They simply knew him as the Messiah. But to give you an idea of just how long they've been waiting for Messiah, Joe said this. John? <laughs> oh. I will wait for my renewal to come. You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands has made. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. My offenses will be sealed up in a bag, and you will cover my sin. Now picture this. Did you know that Job is actually older than Moses? A biblical timeline puts him right after Joseph from Genesis, right? Not Mary's. And before Moses. So they've been waiting for him a real long time. But it wasn't until a gentleman named Isaiah came along, he started to prophesy some of the names that we know him by. And at first glance, he, um, he rocked everybody's world. And I'm going to show you why in a second. John, I give up, John. I'm just going just gonna to call on you. <laughs> hey. Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And she will, be named, she will name Emmanuel. For a child will be born unto us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to his increase of his government or the peace on the throne of David, and over the kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with its justice and righteousness from then on forevermore, the zeal of the Lord's army will accomplish this. Now, historically speaking, names are important. Uh, today, when we pick a name, we pick a name because we want maybe the child to have the name of a relative that we have. We want to honor them. Or we pick a name because we want the, the child to stand out. Or maybe like me, you got a name like Kalachia, and really what matches with it? You know, you do the best that you can. <laughs> but the truth, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but um, in biblical times, names had a great significance. So much so that people would actually change their name to, to match the situation that they were in. For example, in the book of Ruth, Naomi was so distressed. Her husband died, her kids died. She thought God left them, and she said, I'm going to call myself Mara. I'm just bitter. Everything was bitter. Other times, God changes the name to show what a person's going to be. 
Abram to Abraham. You're going to be the father of many nations. Jesus changed Simon to Peter, little rock, on the foundation of Jesus. A prophetic picture, I think, of us, the living stones on the foundation of the apostles and, and Jesus. And then there are times when God will give the name to a person for something that they've done. We see it in Genesis with Jacob. It says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have contended with God and man and prevailed. And then there are those special times. In fact, there are only seven in history when God himself named the child for the parent. And we see that with Ishmael, Isaac, Solomon, Josiah, Cyrus, and John the Baptist, and of course, Jesus. Now, Jesus, you know, had various names as um, Isaiah had prophesied. And the reason why names were so important in biblical times is because it revealed the character and the destiny of the person. But with Jesus, it also revealed his nature. So let's go back into Isaiah 2. John, would you please do, uh, look at John's already on it. <laughs> it said, therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. And behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to the son, and he will name him Emmanuel. For a child will be born unto us, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to his increase of his government of peace, the throne of David over his kingdom, and we end with the zeal of the Lord of the armies will accomplish this. Now, I want you to pay special attention to the wording that Isaiah is using. Isaiah is saying, I'm going to give you a sign. Now, picture where Isaiah is. He's in the middle of the kingdom of Judea, and he is surrounded by idolatry from both ends. He's got the Assyrians on one end, he's got the Babylonians on another, and he is speaking to a Jewish community. And so, when he says the word sign, the Jews perk up. They're like, what? Because a sign to them meant the beginning of a prophetic word about to be fulfilled. Now, when the non-Jewish people or the idolatrous, <laughs> let me correct that, the idolatrous <laughs> or the Gentiles heard it, they, they got their, their, their ears perked up because to them, a sign was an omen, something supernatural that cr crossed realms and boundaries and was connected to something historical. So both their worlds were about to get rocked with one word. And so they knew, both the Gentiles and the Jews, that something historical, something supernatural, and something astronomical was about to happen. And Isaiah got everybody's attention. Basically, he's saying, listen here, there's going to be a sign. That sign's going to be this virgin. She's going to give a birth, and that child is going to be your Messiah. I'll go back to the name Emmanuel in a minute. But the next thing it says, a child will be born. Now here the word child means born of a human parent. And we know that Mary is human. But we also know from Luke 1.35 that Mary conceived through the Holy Spirit from the power of God that overshadowed her. Now this is really important because we know that from Romans 5.12, sin enters into the world through man. No sin in the conception of Jesus. No sin in Jesus. All pure, holy 100%, holy 100% God. But he uses the word child, 100% person. 
Two natures, one person. Okay, the word son here represents a male in the royal line. He's king, right? Jesus is king, he's royalty. The government will rest on his shoulders. This means that he's going to carry the burden for his people. He did that, right? He carried our sins. It means that he's, he's choosing to take the responsibility to govern over us, that he will rule and he will reign forever. And his name shall be called. This literally means one will call his name. Isn't that so today? Don't we all call in the name of Jesus? Even the, I mean, scriptures tell us, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And now this part is, is completely mind-blowing, at least to me anyway. Now remember I told you he's all around the idolatry, but his, his community is Jewish. That's the people that he's talking to. Now these Jewish people had ancestors who came from where? From Egypt, right? So they were familiar with the pharaohs and they were familiar with their um, customs and whatnot. So it was a respected custom for the next up-and-coming pharaoh to be given five titles. In other words, the next king will get five titles. And if you notice the five names that Isaiah gives, there are also five titles. Emmanuel, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. All titles, and we know that titles describe a name, a job rather. So taking into consideration that a name represents a person, a destiny, and a character, while a title represents a job. We're going to dig into these names just a little bit. So Emmanuel, God with us. It's what he is, right? He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Forsakes us. In fact, I'm going to even go so far as to say it's a prophetic picture of the Holy Spirit indwelling us forever, intertwining us as one with him. Wonderful counselor. His, his qualifications for the ruling are right in his name. A counsel full of wonder, supernatural, far beyond Solomon, far beyond anybody who, that ever lived has ever seen. Mighty God. This speaks of his person and his power and his divinity. In fact, the Hebrew word that they used, the strongest thing that they had was something that, that resembled superhero-like strength. Again, speaking of his divinity. An eternal father. This describes the relationship we have with him. A loving father, eternal, who never leaves us. One that we could call Abba, Daddy. And remember, the Israelites were looking for a king to take the place of the judges, a monarchy that would go on forever. We have that with Jesus and so much more. And Prince of Peace. This is what he brings to the game, right? This is who he is. We win wars. We, we win battles with, his, with peace all throughout history, both spiritually and physically. And we, we know that, of course, we could use these titles as names that we could call on when we need a godly father, a counsel, wisdom, intimacy, or strength. And the passage ends with the zeal of the Lord's army will accomplish this. Zeal here means a passionate commitment. A passionate commitment to what? The covenant he made with his people. God's not a liar. He's a, a covenant-keeping God. And finally, in Luke chapter 2, 700 years after Isaiah prophesied this, the angel appears to Mary and tells, him, tells her she's going to have this son. She's going to name him Jesus. And wow, the prophecy begins to unfold. And now we know that Jesus is the name above all names. John, if you would. 
Thank you. In Philippians, we, we see, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that shall be above all name. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the name above all names. And if you're wondering why, we're going to look at the verses right before it. It says, who, as we already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born into the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. So family, when we put it all together, we realize that God himself came down in human form as a baby. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, had his diaper changed by a human. Think about that. Completely humbling himself, completely choosing not to pull on his God powers even when tested by the devil. And I know some of your translations say tempted, but in James we, we know it wasn't tempted, okay? The word is tested. And this is so comforting because we get a Savior who understands everything that we go through. We have a, a Savior who understands and comforts us when we mourn. He knows the, the, the pain of rejection and the anguish of betrayal. And, and more than that, he, he saved us. He died on our behalf to save us from the fiery pit that we call hell. And we laugh about it. And we think it's some little cartoon redheaded dude, you know, with a pitchfork. And it's, it's, a, it's a lie. We've desensitized the truth of what the demonic is. And he died on our behalf so we would not have to spend eternity separated from him. And you know what? Death lost its sting. Now, I know there are people in this room, myself included, who lost loved ones this year. And I'm here to tell you, when they died in Christ, we're seeing them again. Ha ha, devil, take that. Okay? Death lost its sting. And if that's not enough, we receive eternal life. And you know what? The prophecy that Isaiah gave, it's for us as well in the sense that God has chosen to share those attributes with us because of what Jesus did on this cross. We get to be called sons. We get to be royalty. We get to call the eternal king father, daddy. Some of us can't even call our own fathers daddy. Think about that. And when we, we did have a daddy that we could call daddy and he's now gone, we still have him. We're never alone. And because of Jesus, we now get, get to live in peace. We have peace when, with the fruit of the Spirit. We get to live in peace because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And we get to live out of peace. And we get to live out of peace because, as Paul has said, we are chosen, we are holy, we are blameless, we are adopted as sons. We've been given all things. We've been redeemed by the blood. And we have been forgiven, people. Come on. Like, look alive. This is good. <laughs> 
and family. That is why Jesus is the reason for this season. We celebrate his birth because we're celebrating a fulfillment of a prophecy that has brought freedom to all mankind and family. We've been grafted in. We have every spiritual gift. That's the reason to celebrate. And so, if you're here today, and you're not even sure if you're going to heaven, or maybe... You're pretty sure you're going to heaven because you've been a decent person. You give to charity. You come to church every week. Maybe you were baptized as a baby. It's not going to happen that way. And before you get mad at me, I'm telling you the truth. It's in the Bible. <laughs> but seriously, you're, you're mistaken. And the reason is because it's a gift. If you could earn it on your own, then God would have been cruel to allow his son to die for you. God's not a cruel God. He's a, he's a good father. And so we need two things. We need faith and we need repentance. Faith what? That God is. Jesus is the son of God, raised from the dead, died for our sin. And repent. Change your mind. You think you're making that on your own? You're not. Change your mind. You think you don't need God? You do. Change your mind. I'm telling you, it's a free gift so that no man can boast. And because it's a free gift, it really is easy. Just swallow your pride. Give it to God. You'll take it anyway. He already took it at the cross. So because there is no shame in the kingdom, and I don't know where you all are, just with your eyes closed, I'm just going to have you say a prayer. So ju just, just repeat after me. Father, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I repent for my sin. And I believe you are the Son of God. You died on the cross and rose on the third day. And I ask you today to be the Lord of my life. And family, no, it's not about the prayer. It's about the heart, because the Lord, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, nothing will separate you from, your, from, from his love. So if that was you today, raise your hand. We want to celebrate you. And if it's online, then send us a text. But, um, thank you. I want to thank you for allowing us to be here, allowing me to be here, and thank you, Jesus. So, Father, as I conclude my message, I thank you for not only dying for us, but being born for us. For submitting yourself to to leaders teaching you the word when you were the word and when you are the word. I thank you, Lord, for the families that we have. I thank you, Lord, for the families that we did have. And I ask, Lord, that you would comfort every family represented in this congregation that is hurting tonight. Lord, you are our comforter, and I thank you for that. We honor you, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.